26. Exodus chapter 26, we're concluding this morning in our study on the revelation of the tabernacle. And we hope to finish up this morning and uh, bring this to conclusion. Amen. Just to refresh our memories, what is the, the principle behind the tabernacle or what was the purpose of God for, having, uh, for giving the directions for the tabernacle? Anybody recall that? Okay, for God to dwell with men. And uh, in this tabernacle, this tent that was constructed in the wilderness, is that uh, only have relevance for that particular time, for that particular generation? What, what else did God invest into the tabernacle that uh, you and I experience today? It was sort of a model of things to come. Okay. Model of principles. God has not changed. God uh, does no longer uh, dwell uh, um, between the uh, cherubim on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. But God in His nature has not changed. And for God to be involved in uh, what He wants to do in the earth, uh, that there are principles uh, that were invested even in the tabernacle uh, thousands of years ago that are still true today. That if God is going to dwell with us, that if God is going to be given a platform to deal in redemption with humanity, then these principles will continue. Amen. We're, we talked about the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, what, what does an ark mean? What's the... Why an ark? What's an ark? And uh, why is the ark... Uh, even there. Why isn't uh, a filing cabinet? What, what's, what's the ark? Okay, a vessel for what? What does it do? It's protection. Good. Vessel, say, of protection. Uh, Moses' ark was protection. Uh, uh, Noah's ark was protection. These are, uh, and what were supposed to be protected? What are three things that were supposed to be held on to uh, by the Ark of the Covenant. So we have three things that were inside the Ark of the Covenant. And before we go any further, I need to go back. What was the Ark of the Covenant a type of? The church. Okay. So the Ark of the Covenant is a type of the church. We, uh, it's often thought of as a type of, uh, of Jesus, uh, but I think that the church is better, uh, better fits the type. We have uh, the gold and the wood, the joining of the divine and the human that is uh, in the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have not uh, uh, God dwelling in the uh, 
the or in the Ark of the Covenant per se in terms of a of a residence, but a dwelling uh, above or uh, meeting with the people above that. Uh, which leads us to believe that uh, this is not ex essentially a picture of Jesus Christ. So we have a picture of the church, which is the assembly. The church is the assembly and is to hold to these three, three things, uh, God's word, God's man, and God's will. That if you and I hold to those things, if we keep those three things in our assembly, that we do the will of God, we hear from the Word of God, we hear through the servant of God, the man of God, the direction that God would give to our lives, then God, uh, then we're fulfilling what God wants us to do, and then what, is, what completes the Ark of the Covenant? What rests on the Ark of the Covenant? The mercy seat. And this is where God dwells, in uh, above the mercy seat, between the two cherubim that are on top. And this is where God meets with man. This is where God deals in mercy. This is the meeting place of God and man. This is where the, the offering, uh, the blood is brought one time in the year where God can deal redemptively with man. And so if you and I will hold to God's word, God's will, and God's man, then God is given a platform to deal in redemption with the earth. And that is God's plan. I know people do a good work. I know uh, Billy Graham does a good work. There are men that, that do a fine job. We're not here to criticize them this morning. But God's platform for dealing redemptively with the earth, uh, for meeting men, uh, for dealing in redemption, uh, is not the Billy Graham Association. It's the assembly. And so this uh, is where God, uh, where the platform for God's dealing in the earth, in his purpose. Amen. Praise God. Okay, we're going to talk this morning about the coverings. Now, we constructed our whole tabernacle, and uh, we had our, uh, our uh, brazen altar, our brazen laver. We have this, uh, the uh, holy place, and then the holy of holies. And uh, the the furniture that is therein. But now, if you've noted, we we talked about the boards that are on the side. Now we're talking about the covering. Okay, this is not open air stuff here. There is a covering or lit or coverings that go over those boards that cover the tent of meeting, the tabernacle proper, and that's what we want to look at this morning. The coverings. Exodus twenty six. Uh, beginning at verse 1 through verse 14. Someone could read that for us in a loud, clear voice. Rod Olmstead. Okay, good. Uh, find some scripture for me before we go on. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3, Dwayne Renz, Dave Cassio, Matthew 13, 54 through 58. Uh, Mike Elsus, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and Norm Bernier, John 13, 4 and 5. 
Okay, so here we have the tabernacle itself that we've talked about. And now it has coverings that are on this, not uh, uh, just uh, one tarp that's thrown over, but we have uh, linen that is embroidered with uh, purple and scarlet and, and blue with uh, cherubim on it. Then we have uh, goat's hair uh, that is uh, above that, goat's hair that uh, is not white but black. Uh, then we have ram skins uh, dyed red, and then on top of it all, we have badger skins. So we're going to uh, we're going to go from top uh, through and talk about these four uh, coverings. Now it's not exactly uh, clear what a badger is. Now you know what a badger is, but in terms of what kind of animal this was specifically relating to, the Hebrew word is not totally clear. There are, uh, are, are a few that might be involved, but basically it's an animal that is, uh, uh, that's unknown to us in terms of its specific identity, but uh, one that is uh, for utility purposes. Uh, someone find us uh, Ezekiel 16.10 very quickly. I didn't... Dennis... Uh, this is a tough, uh, skin durable. It is there for protection. It is not uh, at an, in any way showy. It is not uh, in any way attractive. Uh, it is just there for the purpose of protection. It's simply there. It uh, has a job to do, and that is to protect the tabernacle. And it is the outer, uh, the outer covering. Uh, there's nothing delicate or lovely about it. It is simply a, a badger skin. Ezekiel 16.10. Okay, this is another reference to the same. And so uh, we have this uh, so the outer covering is not attractive, not doesn't look nice. It's just there for a covering. It's just there with a job to do. And so this is a picture of Jesus as Jesus is seen to the casual observer. This is almost all that the world sees about Jesus Christ. They look at Jesus and there's nothing specifically attractive about Jesus to them, nothing specifically uh, that uh, uh, calls to them for commitment. There's no appeal to their senses, no appeal to their lower nature that is there that causes them to run to Jesus because he's so good looking or he's so attractive and, and what he has to offer is so attractive that on the outer it is uh, this uh, unimpressive uh, appearance. See, Jesus uh, didn't come to impress. He came to save. He didn't come to uh, draw people by his uh, uh, multi-cylinder personality, by his physical attractiveness, uh, by his uh, uh, by all his abilities and all of these things. This is not this was not his purpose uh, to simply impress people to say, "Oh, wow, this is a wonderful guy." And people who were simply impressed never made it for the long haul. People who were merely impressed by Jesus 
ended up turning away from Jesus. He was a humble servant with a job to do. He came to save, not to impress, not to set up an earthly kingdom, but he came as a humble servant with a job to do to give his life to save humanity. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3. Okay, Matthew 13, 54 through 58. Okay, here's Jesus, that uh, his response, uh, how people respond to him is, uh, it, it sounds good at the, at the outset, oh boy, this guy really has it together, and you'd think that that would impress them and they'd follow him, but he said, this guy is wonderful, this, or this guy, uh, where'd he get this wisdom and knowledge, we're not going to receive this, because this is uh, just Joseph's son, he's got uh, uh, six brothers and sisters, uh, uh, no big deal, uh, and they rejected Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Okay, John 13, 4 through 5. Okay, here's again the form of a servant, not coming to impress, coming to serve. Not coming to draw people by outward show, by uh, outward demonstration of uh, uh, his personality and his abilities, uh, but uh, to save mankind. See, God's image is not uh, what men's pride would choose. God didn't come and say, I know just uh, what people want, and I will come down and be what people want, uh, and so everybody will flock. That's what uh, the Antichrist will do. But that's not what Jesus Christ did. Jesus didn't come just to give people what they wanted. He came to give people what they needed because He loves people. If you've ever been to Las Vegas, you know what men's mentality about attracting people. You go down wherever it is and there's the lights that are flat, probably millions of light bulbs that are going, all kinds of things that are there, the glitter, the show, the demonstration of wealth and prosperity, the, a whole image of that if you come here, if, you be, if you'll invest in this, you'll leave fabulously wealthy, tremendously popular. All of these things that will happen to you are are all being communicated by the lights and the glitter and the show of the strip of Las Vegas. That's how man does it. That's not what Jesus did. The trouble is that modern-day Christianity is a whole lot more like Vegas than like Jesus. Come to Jesus! He'll get a Cadillac. You'll have a $100,000 house. You'll have uh, friends and, and prosperity and blessing. And it's a communication of an image. And putting forth an image rather than presenting Jesus Christ. Drawing people to an image of what a Christian is, of what Christianity is, that's a whole lot more like the Vegas Strip than like the suffering servant. See, modern Christianity, their purpose is to create an image. 
that will draw people. Advertisers say, don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. It's not just uh, uh, the steak. There's a whole atmosphere. There's a whole picture that surrounds that uh, that you want uh, to sell. You have a a picture uh, in your uh, Time magazine. Here's Barclay cigarettes. This is a new cigarette. And so here's a guy in the back of a Rolls Royce. He's got the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's dressed in a tuxedo. He's uh, obviously uh, fantastically wealthy, fantastically debonair. You see the back of some uh, model's head. You're sure, you know, that she's uh, all that anybody would ever dream of. And he's, they're looking at her really cool. And uh, he's lighting up his Barclay. Well, that's just a, th- a piece of paper wrapped around some foul tobacco leaves that you suck into your lungs. It gives you lung cancer and bad breath. But see, the thing that comes to your mind is if I smoke that thing, that whole image, I'll enter into that. I'll, that's, that's my way to that experience, that to smoke Barclay cigarettes is to identify with that guy. That when people see me smoke, I may wear a t-shirt and have my Barclays wrapped up in the sleeve, but uh, uh, there'll be an identification that's there. And so they don't sell the cigarette. They sell the image. That's what all of advertising is about. Uh, Harvey's Bristol Cream. There's leather, big fluffed leather chairs, big massive library, huge mahogany desk, globe of the world, uh, you know, brass fixtures, uh, uh, just the right lighting, and all the, uh, I don't, I don't even know what it is, some cheap uh, alcohol uh, that'll uh, just uh, give you a hangover, cause you to throw up, make you totally sick, but if you look at that, it's like somehow to, if I go home and bring that home from Circle K, then that whole thing will be created in my living room. Now, that's how advertising done. That's fine. That's okay. Except when you try and sell Jesus, you do the same thing. That you don't just uh, say, okay, Jesus came to give his life for you. Take up your cross daily and follow him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. It's uh, the multimillionaire, the attractive uh, woman, the smiling powder puff tuxedo bouffant uh, uh, people. And it's like, that's what I'll enter into if I get saved. Attracting people to Jesus by an image, not by Jesus. Amen. Brother Kennard? Yes. Amen. Any other comments before we go on? Yes. To sell an image. See, to, to, uh, have, uh, to show somebody, uh, say, a day in the life of a member of this congregation might not be the greatest thing to attract somebody to Christianity. Get out of bed, you're probably not the most attractive guy in the world. 
get up, morning breath, hair everywhere, barking at your wife and uh, kissing the dog. You'd uh, uh, stumble out to some uh, uh, factory or some other place. You work hard on the job, deal with uh, uh, deal with devils at work, try and keep your attitude straight, your heart right, labor, work hard. You take a paycheck that is uh, uh, fractional compared to what they're presenting on the tube. Go home, uh, not even enough to cover the bills that week. You have all the difficulties of life. And if you put that on CBN or, or TNN or uh, PDQ, all of those things, uh, that, that's not what they want. They don't want to see that. And yet working out there is the glorious thing of a, of a life transformed, dealing with the problems of life, life in reality. Not the image, not the cream puff, not the powder blue tuxedos, but a life lived in reality that is transformed, that's transfigured because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. See, they won't put our stories on there. Not attractive enough. But see, that's the problem that you get into, and if your diet this morning is TV Christianity, then you're swallowing an image that in your mind is an image of what the Christian life should be. And so you live in uh, not just a paradox, you live uh, in a schizophrenic world. In one half of your brain is smiley faces Christianity is all the things that should be happening, all the miracles that should be coursing off my fingertips, all the things that are supposed to be happening because of the image that you've allowed your mind to receive. On the other hand, is how you really live. And so you spend a lot of your time resenting God because He hasn't fulfilled the CBN dream. He hasn't fulfilled the TNN dream. Or I, you know, I probably got their letters mixed up, but you, you know who I'm talking about. So you need to get your Christianity from the book. You need to get your Christianity in the assembly where people really live with real live human beings, not an image that's being presented. God is not into image. See, tonight, uh, I'm sorry, this morning... What are you more concerned about? Your image or your witness? Amen? One of those two things. Your image or your witness. Which are you more concerned about? Are you concerned about this? Then you'll never do this. If you're concerned about your image... In the community, your image before your fellow workers, if that's your major concern, then you can hang up your witness. Those two things aren't going to dwell together because a witness will always tarnish this in the eyes of the world. So where's your burden? Is your burden to keep your image or is your burden to get people saved? Did you have your hand up? Bill? Okay, the only thing I can is I I know what they say. Okay? But all I'm saying is you look at 
Pant or what's his name and Tammy and uh, the other attractive personalities and the attractive personalities that they present and the image of Christianity. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the image of Christianity. And then you have to come to church and look at me and Pastor Mitchell. And you have to sit next to some guy that is not in his powder puff tuxedo. He hasn't even bathed recently. And uh, you have to deal with uh, people and problems and uh, hear uh, and deal with reality. All I'm saying is uh, that multitudes of people, even though they're told to go to a local assembly, they're given an image of Christianity and a picture that's much easier to live with than other human beings and reality. So on the one hand, where they say, yeah, go to church, they go to church and say, yeah, God, I'd, I'd rather have that image. And so this is what I'm talking about, not, not necessarily the, the monetary thing, not to, that these men aren't trying to do something for God, but this is what happens. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Eleanor? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 29. Someone over this side. First Corinthians, uh, Bob Kimball and Sam Atkinson, 1 Corinthians 4, 10. Okay, we're talking about God's method. Is This whole thing is covered by a badger skin. No attractiveness about it. Its purpose simply to serve and to be, to fulfill that purpose. And uh, we want to look at these uh, scriptures. First Corinthians one twenty two through twenty nine. Amen. Powerful. Now that's that's quoted everywhere. But where that's obeyed, where that principle is followed, is far, far more rare. That people are willing to be fools for Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about act like a fool and you know, be a fool. I'm talking about willing to appear as a fool for Jesus Christ. Amen. Rare. Rare here. <laughs> Rare in the church world. It's much better. I, I need to be a businessman for Jesus. Now, that's good. You ought to be a businessman for Jesus if you're a businessman. But your business is not the, the thing that's supposed to attract people to Jesus. I'm going to be an artist for Jesus. Well, be an artist if you want, but it's not going to be your art that people are going to see how, what a wonderful landscape and fall down on their knees and repent. You see, that, that sounds like that's ridiculous, but you haven't seen it. Amen. That's, that's the whole thrust. It's not the image. It's Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 4.10. Okay, and those are the people who shook the world. Amen. Fools, weak, and despised. But modern-day Christianity is uh, the intelligent, the strong, the successful, and that's how we'll draw people to Jesus. And if that's what you're into, then you're not a, you don't even feel you're a valid witness. Ever think, how can I tell people about Jesus? I don't even make enough to meet all my bills. I, they're driving a nicer car than I am. 
They get a better house. See, if that's your image of Christianity, then yeah, right. Until you're more successful than them, until you get more money in your bank account, don't open your mouth. But see, that's not the attraction of the gospel. Okay? It's Jesus Christ and the salvation in Jesus Christ. And that means that if you're uh, washing dishes at St. Michael's, you can tell some big fat cat in town that he needs to get saved. Because it's not on the image. It's not on the outward success. Amen. Because the world will always mock that which is spiritual. The world will mock our speaking in tongues. Now, which are you more concerned about? Obedience or your image? Mock the witness of Jesus Christ. The lady called me on the phone over 4th of July. She says, why do so many people talk about your church? I, I've just been in town a few days and all I hear about is your church. And I said, well, the reason is because we tell people about Jesus. Oh, no, that's not it. They say it's this and it. No, ma'am. The reason is, is because we tell people about Jesus. They may come up with all kinds of other reasons and all other kinds of excuses because of, of what's wrong with us. But the reason they do that is because we tell people about Jesus. Amen. The, we give. And how ludicrous to a sinner that you and I would tithe, that you and I would give offerings. Now, that's supernatural. That's spiritual. But to the world, you're a loon. You've been taken in. Okay. Uh, I've got to move on. I'm just going to uh, do one. I've got to skip over just a little bit here. So we have this, uh, the outer, the form of a servant. So that's to be our image. If that's Jesus, if that's how he presented himself, then our desire is not to present ourselves in all the attractiveness and all the rest. The church didn't have a, a building for 400 years. You don't need a glorious structure to get people to come to your church. Ramskins uh, dyed red is a picture not only of sacrifice, uh, but of consecration. God will dwell in a consecrated people. Goat's hair. Just want to look at this just for a minute. Again, this is black uh, goat's hair. And uh, if you'll notice, the way that this works is that there are six... Uh, plus uh, five, which were gone together, which w w meant uh, 11. Now, out of that, uh, one of these, one of the 11 was exposed. So you've got, uh, on the goats here, you've got 10 that are hidden. 10 uh, sections of the goats hair covering that are hidden by the ram skin, by the badger skin. And then you've got one that is exposed, that part of it goes over and is able to be seen. So you've got one eleventh of the, uh, of the goat's hair that is able to be seen. Goat's hair is a picture, again, of, of sacrifice for sin. We have Jesus who spent 33 years on the earth, and out of those, 
only three of those were, was he exposed to the world. The other 30 years, he was hidden. And again, the same ratio, one-eleventh of Jesus' life was exposed, one-eleventh was seen, and the rest of it was covered. John one twenty nine. Someone could find that for us. Dwayne Renz, John 1, 29. 33 years of life, only three in visibility and 30 in obscurity. And when he was revealed, he was revealed for a specific purpose. John 1, 29. And this is why he came. This is why he made himself visible was to be a redemption for mankind. Now, you remember the linen then? We have again those pictures, the white linen, the, the purple, the scarlet, the blue, the cherubim, and we've seen this before in a number of places, and this is the revelation of Jesus Christ in His fullness, in His nature, in His glory, the, uh, the deity, the humanity, the royalty, uh, the glory, the righteousness, and all of that. But you see that that can only be seen by the people who enter in. It's only seen by those that enter. On the outside, Jesus just looks like just another teacher, just another prophet, just another person, and one uh, that we've got to unload much of the baggage that uh, he's brought upon our society so we can be free and we can be cut loose from that uh, old morality. And, and that may be, that's uh, uh, the outward, that's uh, what people may see. But when you get saved, when you enter in by faith in Jesus Christ, then the glory is revealed. Then and only then will you have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Will you know who he is and what he's all about? If you're not saved in here this morning, then that's what you need to do. You need to get saved. You want to know about Jesus? Get saved. And he'll reveal himself to you, not just as a teacher, not just as some uh, far-out prophet, not just as someone uh, that's influenced the world. I was looking at a book the other day of uh, the uh, hundred people that have influenced the world more than anybody else, uh, and they put Jesus as third. After Isaac Newton and Mohammed. They're insanity. Do you want to know Jesus and enter in by faith? Okay, we have one minute. Dwayne? Yes. That's exactly it. The reason that you have to sell, and I'm talking, I'm not just pointing my finger at other people. I'm talking about how I lived for six years and what I was a part of. They're, the reason that you have to present an image is because you have no faith that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel works. You just proclaim it. I don't care how much education you got, how fluent you are, how many languages you speak, just preach the gospel. Amen. People get saved. The Lord bless you. You're dismissed.